Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John, chapter 5, 1 John, chapter 5, and I'll be reading verse number 10. 1 John, chapter 5, and verse 10. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word, and we thank you for your precious son, who you sent to this earth to die on Calvary's cross so that we can have eternal life. Dear Lord, we recognize that we are so undeserving, and yet, because of your love, your mercy, and your grace, you saw it fit to give your life as a ransom for ours. I pray tonight that as we open the pages of scripture, that you would use your word to speak to each and every heart in a very special way. I pray that every heart would be sensitive and receptive to what you have to say. Give me the words you'll have me to say on this occasion, and I pray that there'll be a source of strength and encouragement and challenge wherever that is needed. Take full control, have your divine way. And if there's someone under the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight that soul be saved. May every believer be challenged to take a close walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. We are living in a day and age where the media is a powerful tool. And this tool is often used to influence the thoughts and consequently the actions of people. One of the prevailing avenues where the media is utilized and we're very common, very familiar rather with its use in this fashion in all parts and not just here but around the world is through the means of talk shows. Talk shows popping up all over. I mean, it seems as though if you, some people have a a full-time job of responding and calling in and being fully acquainted with every talk show. It has become a hobby for some, and I say, well, if you have that much time, so be it. But talk shows have become very, very prevalent and common. They can range in a variety of discussion areas from social issues, politics, sports, religion, you name it. There is a talk show that is discussing the matter. Oftentimes, what's a little humorous, I'm sure, to all of us at times, is that there is much debate that's generated over issues. And at times, these debates lead to contention. It leads to disagreement. And oftentimes, the talk shows generate much interest. The more emotion is generated. 
These emotions are clear to see as people vociferously make their arguments based on their personal opinion and their particular frame of reference. But what is often sobering, I'm sure to those who are very vocal about the opinion, is that it's quite noticeable when there has to be a change in tone after a particular event or after a particular circumstance has taken place that proves that no matter how adamant you were and no matter how aggressive you were with your opinion, you have now been proven to be conclusively wrong. It is said that that person now has to eat their words. Because why? Evidence has surfaced or a circumstance has taken place that has proven what was an opinion to be wrong. Proof, my friend, is powerful. Proof silences debates. Proof silences arguments. Proof eliminates confusion and contention. And when it comes to our salvation, this great salvation that we have received because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, let me say uh, categorically that there ought to be proof of our salvation. It ought not to be a, a major debate, a point of contention as to whether we are saved. It ought to be conclusive. There ought to be proof. And the Apostle John, in writing this epistle of 1 John, in chapter 5, speaks to a number of proofs, if you will, of salvation. And we've been examining these in, in context of this entire epistle under a series that I've entitled The Christian Signature. And the signature itself indicates that there ought to be some things that are characteristic of a believer. There are some things that ought to be distinctive of a child of God, just like our signature is, is distinctive of who we are and distinctive of our approval or our authorization of a particular document or completion of a particular form. Our Christian signature ought to be a conclusive proof and evidence of who we say we are. Amen? It just has to be some things that are distinctive. And so these proofs are important for unbelievers to be able to distinguish and recognize God's representatives here on earth. But these proofs are also important because they ought to provide us personally the assurance and the confirmation that we are in fact God's true representatives here on earth. These proofs are vital. They're critical. They are not to be taken lightly. They are not to be taken for granted. We've seen in this chapter 5 of 1 John the proof of conversion through the Savior. Conversion indicates there has to be a change. There has to be a transformation. We saw this on Sunday evening as well. 
Salvation is about conversion. It's about a transformation that God himself does. So the first proof is conversion through the Savior. Evidenced by a changed life. The second proof that we have looked at, we are looking at, is that of confirmation by the Spirit. You see, my friend, when a person places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that act of faith triggers a supernatural act by the Heavenly Father to indwell us with his Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Godhead, comes to live inside you and live inside me once we are born again. It's initiated through belief in the Savior. It's followed by the indwelling of the believer by the Spirit. But notice in verse number 10, last time we emphasize the importance of belief. You see, my friend, to believe is your individual basis for selection. It is your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ that allows you to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a gift. The most precious gift. Imagine having a divine nature living inside you and living inside me. We saw that if we're going to believe, this is not just head knowledge. This is not just mindlessly admitting or acknowledging that Jesus came to this earth. It's believing, first of all, in his person, that Jesus is the savior of the world. Believing in his performance, that Jesus is the sacrifice of God. Believing in his position, that Jesus is the son of God. Believing in his power, that Jesus is the sustainer of our lives. My friend, belief is powerful. Belief is critical. A belief that Jesus, you are the one who came. You are the one who I need. And without you, as Lord of my life, I would be lost. and Dead in trespasses and sins. But I want us to look at the second aspect of this belief. The flip side, if you will, in verse number 10. That look at what not believing does. You see, many people take this aspect of believing very lightly. But John, in verse number 10, gives the other side of belief, which is to not believe. And I want you to notice and jot this down, that to not believe induces blasphemy of the sovereign. Now look at how John puts this. He gives a contrast Now, he mentions, first of all, of course, we've looked at the first aspect, that he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. That person who believes now has the gift of the Holy Spirit. But look at how he continues. He says, he that believeth not. Now, there are only two, two options. Either you're going to believe or you're not going to believe. And he says, he that believeth not had made him, speaking of God, a liar 
because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Now I want you to understand the, the, the danger. I want you to understand the, the, the travesty of not believing as we have examined that Jesus is the savior of the world, the sacrifice of God, the, the son of God, the sustainer of our lives. My friend, to not believe Jesus for who he is, first of all, disrespects the sovereign. Notice what the Bible says. He that believeth not God hath made him, speaking of God, a what? A liar. Now, can you imagine what it means to call someone a liar? Someone calls you a liar. Someone calls me a liar. The feelings that would arise within our soul and within our spirit. Listen, we, we think of it as demeaning, insulting, disrespectful. Think of the emotions of anger and hurt that rise up inside of us when someone says, you are a liar. Ouch. And you know what I found? I mean, to call someone a liar is so insulting and demeaning that people get upset even when they are lying. You dared call me a liar and they know they're lying and they're still upset. Because there's just something about calling somebody a liar that they feel disrespected. Now imagine calling the God of the universe the God of all truth a liar that's the height of disrespect and so to not believe John says it's not just uh, light to be taken lightly oh, oh I don't believe no you don't believe God ultimately that means you're telling God that you are lying so to not believe it really is blasphemous. It disrespects the sovereign. Notice what else not believing does. It disregards the sovereign. You see, my friend, to not believe that God sent his son to this earth to save you and to save me it means then that the provision that has been provided is being abandoned. By not believing, there is an intentional choice to reject what God has made available. We go to the doctors at times. When we go to this, these doctors or any doctor for medical attention, Oftentimes, you get a prescription. And that prescription is given in order to facilitate your healing process. And even though a diagnosis has been made, and even though a prescription has been provided, the patient must take that prescription, fill it, and take the medication. If that prescription stays in the pocket, 
stays in the purse. The provision that has been made available for healing would mean absolutely nothing to the person who needs the healing. God himself, my friend, has made a way. God has provided the perfect prescription for man's lost condition, but man must accept the solution. Not to accept the solution, not to accept the prescription, means that man would be without a solution. So to not believe not only disrespects the sovereign, but it disregards the sovereign. It disregards the fact that God has made a way, that God has provided the solution for man's sin problem. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. And this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was saying in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 26. The backdrop to the book of Hebrews is a comparison between the old and the new. The old way of sacrificing and the new and better sacrifice. The sacrifices in the Old Testament that simply covered compared to the precious sacrifice of the Lamb of God that washes away sin. The fact that the new covenant is infinitely better than the old. It's the perfect solution. It's a perfect prescription. And then in verse number 26 of Hebrews chapter 10, notice what it says. It says, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. My friend, if you reject the provision of Jesus' precious blood, there is nothing else that is going to be a solution for you. That's it. There is no more sacrifice. There is nothing else that, that is going to be provided that is going to do the job. That's it. So to not believe in the solution that is provided, you have disregarded the sovereign. But I want you to notice what else happens by not believing. Not only does an individual disrespect the sovereign, not only have they disregarded the sovereign by way of the solution that he's provided, but they now ultimately are devoid of the sovereign. You see, my friend, to not believe is to be left hopelessly without God. Without your source. Without your king. Without your lamb. Without your Messiah. What a tragedy. People often ask, how can a loving God send people to hell? That doesn't sound like the God of love. But my friend, in reality, people choose to go to hell because they are now found without God. And the tragedy is that God has provided a solution to be found in him. 
God wants every single person to have him. God wants every single person to be found in him. It's like hearing of an event. And this event is free to the public. But in order to attend the event, you must have a ticket. No entry without a ticket. But the tickets are free. In order for an individual to enter, they are not in a position to say, well, the event is free. The question is, where is your ticket? The ticket must be accessed. If an individual chooses not to get the ticket, then they cannot lament and say, I was not allowed access to the event. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Same chapter. Notice the subsequent verses in verse number 27. My friend, when a person chooses not to believe and find themselves in a Christless eternity, in a devil's hell, it is not God's fault. Look at verse number 27. The Bible says, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy on the two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose he shall he be thought worthy who had trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, said the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living My friend, God wants us to have him. God wants us to be found in him. And these verses are simply echoing. If you think and you compare and contrast, imagine those who rejected the law and who rejected Moses' covenant and the judgment that they received. He says, how much greater and how much sorer punishment would it be for someone to reject the precious, perfect Lamb of God who gave his life for the sins of the entire world. I tell you, it ought to break our hearts. We ought to be burdened when you see people who hear the glorious gospel time after time, after time, after time, and they reject it time and time and time again. My friend, that's a tragedy. That's what the Bible means when it says trample underfoot the Son of God.
And everybody feels, I got more time. I got more time. But what's happening is that hearts are being hardened because that individual is choosing progressively, day after day, not to believe. You see, my friend, one of the mistakes that people make is I'm going to get saved in my time and on my schedule and on my terms, not realizing to reject the Son of God time after time, there's a hardening of the heart that's taking place. Because that individual being presented with the precious truth is making a conscious decision not to believe in the provision. That's dangerous. That's calling God a liar. That's disregarding the solution. And ultimately, that person will be left devoid of God. What should be the response? Whatever God says to you, accept it as truth and respond to it as truth. Why? Because not to believe God, not to respond in obedience to God, ultimately is insulting to God. That is why you see that peoples whose hearts are receptive to God, God keeps speaking to them because they keep responding. They keep listening. And those who don't respond to God, after a while, you recognize you can't hear from God anymore because his voice has become softer and softer until it has become a whisper to the point where it's hardly discernible. We are the same way, aren't we? If we keep saying something to an individual time and time and time again, and they keep rebuffing and keep rejecting, after a while, what do we do? Keep our thoughts to ourselves. Isn't that what we do? We don't keep speaking and yelling louder and louder and louder and louder. Belief is powerful. Let's believe God. As one preacher says, leave the consequences up to him. But let it be that we make a conscious choice to believe and let our belief affect our behavior.